Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our wrestling podcast. We are available on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, YouTube, and iHeartRadio. Now, without further ado, our wrestling podcast is proud to bring to you the legacy of the British yes, Bulldog. The baby boy Smith, the British Bulldog, came to an end. He was just 39 years old. Baby boy Smith grew up in Manchester, England. His professional wrestling career began at the tender age of 15. Befriended by the legendary Hart family, Davey made his way to North America. A personal protege of wrestling legend Stu Hart, Davey officially became a member of the Hart family when he married Stu's daughter, Diana. Inside the ring, the British Bulldog achieved international stardom. Outside the ropes, Davey Boy Smith struggled with personal issues that cut his career short. His two children survived him, Harry, 16, and Georgia, 14. Our thoughts and prayers go out to Harry, Georgia, and the Smith and Hart families. Welcome to the OWP. This is our wrestling podcast. This is David along with Jess. Hi, David. And Craig. David, bringing you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards sharing opinions with you. And now on to our topic today, the legacy of the British Bulldog. Hit us up on Instagram at OWP2019 and find the very easy link called Linktree. And you can find this just about anywhere at Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Hey guys, how you doing? We're good. We're good. And uh, I'm glad you said that, Dave, because we're getting bigger now. We're on all these different things. And I want to assure our audience that I am the same humble man. Hang on for a second, guys. When you clean my fucking blinds, um, make sure you get the top because I saw duh. Okay. I'm sorry, guys. Go ahead. Anyway, so I'm still pretty humble. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, you guys heard that. That's fantastic. Craig, how you doing, bud? Doing well. Live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Live from Knoxville. That sounds gangster, bro. Seriously. You know, gangster. I got to tell you, you know, Craig, since we did our first recording with you, it was a lot of fun. And I think we're going to find a lot more um, interesting dynamic uh, with with the three of us. And a lot of a lot of time, the four of us, when Cuz can get on and we know Cuz is in every other week kind of guy. He's got a lot of mixing to do for us, a lot of editing to do. And we appreciate that. But I got to tell you, Craig, as soon as you came on, the first thing that we thought about because of your background, is we it's about time to do a bio on the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. Can you tell the audience of five people why that's important? David. Whoa, <laughs> watch out. <laughs> uh, I'm from England, mm-hmm. and I came to America in 1983. So, oh my gosh, in a, in a strange way, uh, my being an immigrant kind of paralleled with the rise of the Bulldogs, and it was my connection to kind of home. Uh, Davy Boy Smith, born David Smith, was actually born in Lancashire, and I, although both my parents were born in Liverpool, born and raised in Liverpool, England, 
I spent my first eight years in England in Lancashire uh, in Wigan, which is a strange kind of hotbed town apparently for British wrestling. So um, we're from the same ho- um, hometown and general area. And as a little little English British boy far from home, I always kind of connected to to Davy Boy Smith to the point where when us three people talking right here used to beat each other up in living rooms and makeshift rings outdoors on carpet mats, my nickname was the British Bulldog, uh, and I came out to his music. So I have a uh, an affinity uh, that will I'll always have for uh, for Davy Boy, and I can't thank you enough for this topic and for coming on and and including me. Oh, we're we're totally stoked to have it. And by the way, Craig Kurgan was the biggest double crosser in OWF history. <laughs> yes. We all, we all know this. It's, it's not even a question. So fantastic stuff. Uh, we had so much fun back in those days. Uh, you know, just to give you guys some ideas, we actually built a 19 by 19 ring more than once. I think um, even got to the point where we were so dedicated to have two camera angles at one moment. Um, pretty phenomenal stuff. We still have some of it on DVD somewhere. It's buried in my uh, storage at the moment, but Someday we'll, we'll have to post that on YouTube, probably, right, guys, and kind of show some of those highlights. Maybe or not. <laughs> or not. That'll get that'll get some hits. <laughs> and I think just don't post just just don't post any of my matches. Let's let's make sure we're clear on that. To Craig, but uh, to, and, and to Craig's story, you know, it's funny. Just before we get rolling on this, like wrestling, pro sure. wrestling is really about stereotypes. It always kind of has been, and we've oh. talked about things in the past that have gone south. When you when you hammer on stereotypes, it could be offensive at times. But really why pro wrestling does that is they want to paint in broad strokes because it's always about trying to get the casual audience. Vince has proved time and time again that you, when you get the casual audience, that's when you get your boom periods. That's when you can get the biggest influx of viewership, which means higher attendance, higher merchandise, everything. Um, and Craig is living proof that when when they came to WWF, they wore you know the Union Jacks, right? They were huge billboards. And we'll get into that. But like... That attracts. So not only is Vince trying to introduce something to the American audience, but people who are from England will see the British Bulldogs and they're they're repping the country's flag and they're repping. And and so you you draw to it. So casual fans will be like, oh, I'm from there. And, you know, in hopes that it will trigger something. And, And I think that's kind of like sort of the story about Davey boy in the sense of like, that's how he kind of got started. He went to the WWF machine once he got to the big time and they slapped a big label on him. He's like a billboard and it just kind of grew from there. So it, to me, it's interesting when Craig tells his story because that's the whole point of that to a certain extent, he came to America, but yet when he saw them on TV, he was like, Oh, that at least that reminds me of home. And that's kind of the point sometimes when it's done right in pro wrestling about stereotypes, it's sort of, makes people feel a certain way and you start following that person. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. 100%. No, and, and maybe that he kept getting kind of uh, chances throughout kind of his career. And, and I think the, the the more you dive in with him in his history, he'd always been referred to as kind of the Hulk Hogan of Britain or England. And that's mm. what the hope was and how he wanted – Vince wanted to, him to crack open kind of new markets. And he was always the go-to and I think only lost once overseas at some point. So, yeah, it's 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 – I'm living proof of – of that kind of affinity and what they were looking for. I imagine if I was from Finland, I'm sure I'd be a huge Ludwig Borgamark. Um, and we'd be talking, <laughs> uh, but I, I just happened to, to, to be God save the queen. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, let's just jump right into it. You know, we got the early life. Smith was born in uh Goldborn. Did I say that right, Craig? 
<laughs> so yeah. I have no idea. Um, uh, uh. It's in the same town of Wigan. So like yeah. Goldborn, I think would be like this the county. So sure. He grew up with his father, Sid, mother, Joyce, his brother, Terrence, and sisters, Joanne and Tracy. Joyce was a sister of uh, Bill Billington, father of Tom Billington, also known as the Dynamite Kid, who was Smith's frequent tag team partner. Uh, you know, I guess Smith also had some partial Italian ancestry. I don't know why that matters, but we'll jump right into the wrestling career. He actually started in 1978. To give you some perspective, I was uh, one year old at that moment. Yeah, me too. Um, it's crazy stuff. He started competing on ITV's World of Sport when he was only 15 years old. How's that even legal? Wrestling under the name Young David with his slightly older cousin, the Dynamite Kid, Tim uh, Billington. I think it's so amazing he, that they were linked that young, those two. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's where it is. they started together, you know. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about the departure later, but I'm sure it was absolutely heartbreaking um, on both sides. But um, they were mentored by Billington's friend, Alan Dennison. And in 79, they appeared to have won the British welterweight championship from Jim Brakes, only for the win to be disallowed by Dennison's distracting breaks. Um, whatever that is. Yeah. What is that? What does that mean? I, 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 I don't know. Heel, it's so odd. Heel it's, chicanery it's, is my best guess. Yeah, because when you start thinking about that stuff, I'm sure like, oh, I caught you at the last minute and you really didn't win, you know. So um, so far removed from the twin referees that we would see later. You know, it's like you back here on these regional stuff, they're like, and he pulled the tights. But then like when you get on the main national level on like the 80s, it's like, and then there were twin refs. One was evil. Like, it's so funny how like on different levels wrestling adjusts to, well, if we're talking to a national audience, we got to have twin referees. But like on the small independent circuit, it's like he was just being, he was doing crazy breaks. He was disrupting them. Yeah. Actually. British wrestling was so boring. <laughs> I remember on, on Saturday afternoons watching it. And it basically it's different. It's like two out of three falls or whatever. So it's almost like rounds. They would take breaks. And this is exactly big, what it was. It was a one-one draw, and it kind of it challenged him to defeat him for the belt. Yeah, it was, it was awful. A one-one I, draw. Fucking exciting. And they weren't even muscular, so they were skinny fifteen-year-olds. So imagine turning on to BBC Two or whatever on Saturday afternoon and seeing a fifteen-year-old kid just like have six three-minute rounds with Big Daddy, who was there, Hulk Hogan, who's literally he was four hundred fifty pounds and sixty years old when I was seven. <laughs> uh, wow, it was it, it's awful. Sorry for anyone Jeez. who loves British wrestling. <laughs> well, thank goodness for that. Uh, Smith was actually spotted by Bruce Hart, who was scouting talent in the UK. And both he and Dynamite Kid traveled to Canada to wrestle for Stu Hart. So that's kind of where they got started, right? Hart and uh, Roy Wood trained for Smith further in the dungeon. Everybody knows about the dungeon. It's infamous at this point. And Smith became a key wrestler in Stampede Wrestling. During this time of Stampede, uh, Smith began a feud with the Dynamite Kid. Uh, he won his first world title when he defeated the Dynamite Kid for the Stampede British Commonwealth mid-heavyweight title. Well, that's a mouthful. Naturally. Yeah, absolutely. Not, yeah, no no big deal, right? So that's when you're just creating titles. Oh, kind of like what they do now. I'm sorry. Anyway, in 83, Smith debuted in New Japan Pro Wrestling. That That's kind of crazy, right? 1983, New Japan Pro, uh, Pro Wrestling was kicking off. It was still around. It's still around today. Um, kind of a staple when you think about it. And he was involved in a three-way feud with Dynamite Kid and the Cobra, who was George Takano, over the NWA Junior Heavyweight title. So 84, I don't want to read this. God, yeah. it's so much bullshit. Don't read what you don't want to read, David. I will give you that freedom. I'm telling you. So so basically what happened was 
um, when all this after the tournament came down, there was a tournament and all this bullshit. But Smith and Dynamite Kid formed a tag team uh, called the British Bulldogs in 84. They made a shocking move by jumping to New Japan's rival, All Japan Pro Wrestling, just before the start of All Japan's. That was in the dynamic of that really quick was literally like WCW Mm -hmm. and WWF back at the time. Like, I know we New Japan so easy to roll off the tongue nowadays because they're they're back. And, you know, I mean, they never left, but they shrunk down and now their American presence is large again. And just in general, their presence is large again. But um, All Japan was a big deal. That was like a competing like promotion back then. So there's a lot of big stars that came out of All Japan too. We just kind of hear about the New Japan yeah. stuff. And yeah, it was it, that was like a WCW and WWF kind of rival. But it's interesting because that annual tag tournament in All Japan is where they got noticed by the WWF. And then they started their debut in 84 with the WWF where – you know, along with uh, Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart, they were all brought to WWF after Vince bought out Stampede Wrestling. Because you all know, even though you're wrestling in New Japan and All Japan, you were still kind of with Stampede or you're with your American Federation, but you would get loaned out. So basically, even though they were in those those areas at the time, they were all part of Stampede. But Vince, being Vince, he kind of he just about bought everything. We all know if he had bought one more, we would have never had a Monday Night War. But he bought out Stampede, and that means that Bret Hart, Jim Neidhart, uh, and the Bulldogs come to WWF in 1984. They were able to tour, to tour both the WWF and All Japan, but eventually McMahon said no. And he gained exclusive rights to the Bulldogs, and they began a long feud with Hart and Neidhart, who was known as the what? The Hart Foundation. That's their theme song. I thought you were going to give me some shit-ass no. answer like you always do. I, fuck, I know, and I should have. I really should have. God, I'm losing it. You're like, um, the Rockers was, I was the like answer. actually into it, and I'm just like, oh, fuck, that's right. He totally set the table for me. And I, <laughs> I'd be like, that's yeah. right. They were called the Sheep Herders. That's usually what I would do. The first contest yeah. of the evening, a one fall with a 20-minute time limit. Introducing in a corner to my right, from Reno, Nevada, he weighs 285 pounds. Jim, the Anvil Nightheart. And his partner, from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, he weighs 235 pounds, Brett, the Hitman, Hart. And their opponents, in the corner to my left, from Manchester, England, with a combined weight of 475 pounds, the British Bulldogs. This is fa- this is this is fantastic. The Bulldogs also feuded with the Dream Team with Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake because we all know how much Greg Valentine hated that shit. Well, and real quick um, too, like I think what a yeah. what I have always seen. It's so interesting the way this happened. You know, Vince's Vince Jr has always been sort of disinterested in tag wrestling. And it, I mean, it show, when business slows down, it shows he's like, just put the, put this guy together and this guy together. And that he makes makeshift tag teams. Or nowadays he puts like, you know, Jericho and show together and he calls them Jericho and stupid shit. So like, but back here, like <laughs> that's genius. I don't know if he did this on purpose or if he inadvertently did it. But when he, when he got this talent from stampede, it really in the early eighties, the when the rocking wrestling area, when when the Vince Jr. era was just starting, that defined their tag division. 
uh, you had the Hart Foundation, you had the Bulldogs, and then later you would have the Rougeaus and the Killer Bees and the Young Stallions and the Islanders. And those, that demolition, that, those core from like 84 to like 90 were like some of the classic fucking tag teams ever. And you just, and you hear countless stories in Brett's book and other people's books about how, you know, in house shows, the bees and the hearts would just fucking tear the goddamn house down or the bulldogs in the hearts. You know, somebody would say, oh, I love your match from Saturday night's main event when you guys fought the bulldog. And Brett's like, we had like 50 matches that were house show matches that blew that one away. If you like that one, if you were lucky enough to be in the, you know, the civic center on this date, like we tore the fucking house down and Vince would commonly use those combinations. Cause Hulk, I got to go on mid card brother. I need room service. So he would slam the one man game or <laughs> Bundy or John stud in the middle of the card. But the tag matches like the hearts and the bees or the hearts and the Rougeos or the hearts and the bulldogs or the bulldogs and fill in the blank. They would always close the shows out and they would hold the crowd there, you know, and it was, it's amazing to me that purchase that you just talked about ushered in whether Vince knew it or not the tag wrestling that we all grew up with and we liked. So to this day, when Vince still shows, eh, like when he doesn't give a shit about tag wrestling, I'm like, how, how do you not like when you had that kind of core, but maybe it was a coincidence when he just bought that talent It is what it is. I don't have to do with those guys fucking tag them together. Like, and that's fine. Cause it was the best thing he could have done. I just, I just wanted to point that out because that, that makes me happy knowing that like that, the wrestling started from that stampede contributed probably indirectly in that way. Yeah, no, uh, agreed. Um, and that and that's where all this comes in. Speaking of that talent, that tag talent, they did so well that they actually do end up defeating the Dream Team for the Tag Team Championship at WrestleMania 2. And they held those titles for almost nine months, feuding with the Dream Team and Volkov and Sheik. Um, another kind of thrown together situation. Um, but, you know, I Match of the year, by the way, their Mania 2 match. I know, Craig, you and I would watch that a lot when we were growing up together, like that was, that was a really good match. Uh, did, did you, I know you probably watched like the clips of that. Cause none of us got like, you know, went to close. New tag team champions of the world. How did you feel about that? Was it pretty cool? The dynamite kid and their manager, Captain Lou, you've done it again. Another world championship. Well, thank you very much. Mean Gene, but I don't, uh, you don't have to praise me so much. That's not important. What's important is that these are the finest gymnastic wrestlers of the modern day era, Gene. That's what it's all about. All right, gentlemen, that's high praise from a future World Wrestling Federation Hall of Famer, Captain Lou Albano, Davey. Well, Mean Gene, I don't like to disagree, but the captain brought us to this point. All right, Dynamite. Both as wrestlers and Bulldogs. Okay, right now, gentlemen, let's take a look at the night the title changed hands in Chicago. As part of WrestleMania 2, we're going to pick up the commentary of my colleague, Gorilla Monsoon. The Hammer taking a big chance here. Probably could have had a three count. Davey Boy perched up on that second rope. What's he thinking about? Oh. Oh. I think my first wrestling pay-per-view I ever remember, I think, was WrestleMania 2. And one kid at the apartment complex that I lived got really? it. And I was in America. I was in the U.S. at that time. And the only reason I remember it is back in that day they had intermissions. So they had like a big intermission card in the middle of the screen that it just went to black with a title card for 15 minutes. Um, like between yes. probably uh, Chicago and New York. That, yeah, I don't they know did when that all the way up to stopped. 90 is when they did, they stopped the intermissions. That's wow. so silly. <laughs> I like finally, finally someone said, maybe we shouldn't actually stop the TV feed. Like <laughs> we shouldn't pretend that people go out and get popcorn in their houses. Um, but I, I remember kind Jiffy of that. Bob. 
distinctly. So, but looking back, I even I watched it kind of stuff back the last couple of days and um, seeing Ozzy Osbourne like jump around the oh ring. Oh my in god, France that's and right. be announced and yeah. And they got Fantastic. music and Dream Team was already in the ring, so it was they they. It, it was good. I mean, and again, I think it starts a string of kind of bad timing for Davey sometimes in, in his career, but uh, who knows how long they would have had it. I think Dynamite had was his back was already trashed at that point, and there was controversy of when they gave up those belts after they got him. He just couldn't work, I don't think. He was just in so much pain, they had to drop him. So I don't know if how long they were going to have them, but... Um, it, you know, I think they only they didn't have it long, right? Nine well, nine months is a long time, but back then. Did you see Davy Boy Smith's body snap over on that double move? Davis wanting Dynamite to get on the apron, he can't. Jimmy Hart hit him with the megaphone earlier on. What is this? Here it is. The, the Hart clothesline. line. No, no, no. Yeah, it wasn't long then. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and then the hearts, the hearts would eventually beat them for it, and you know, in favor of a you know a Vince storyline. You know, Danny Davis was turning into the heel ref, and he played into that. He was the ref in that match, and uh, so that the Bulldogs were cheated out, so they didn't get beat cleanly or anything like that. But yeah, like sure, I think it's when we think back of the British Bulldogs as a tag team, a lot of us are like, well, f- you know, they're fucking one of the greatest, and I'm not disagreeing with that, but. When you go back and look at what titles meant back here, which a title was, you know, you you brought value to the company. They put the belt on you because you drew a little bit more or this or that. Sure. You know, like you got a promotion in your company. And like it it, it really is baffling. I remember at growing up learning about wrestling going like, really? They only they were only tag champions once the Bulldogs like they're talked about in such well, high regard. Well, let's be real about it. They lose the titles. They gain a mascot. They start they start doing work with the Islanders and the Rougeau brothers, and that's where you start to have problems. This is why it didn't come back to them. We all know this. We all know this story. The Bulldogs left the WDF in 1998, I'm sorry, 1988, due in part to backstage problems between the Bulldogs, specifically, you know, Dynamite and the Rougeau brothers, over a prank that was pulled by, you know, Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning. The Bulldogs, they were prankers in their own right. They were well, they were also kind of dicks in the ring. They they yeah, they were people. more. We, I think they were more hazers. Like they were hazing a lot. Yeah, like, hazers pranksters, and pranksters. And this led to a lot of confrontations that culminated. Uh, Jacques Rougeau knocking out four of Dynamite Kid's teeth with a fistful, fist filled full of a roll of quarters. I can't even get it out. Though it's there so are various. Old yeah, there's there's various accounts of the, of the situation and the incident. Many suggest that Billington drew first blood by bullying Rougeau, among many others, including Honky Tonk Man who uh, Dynamite actually brought to tears in Miami uh, about it. it, Yeah, and it's just, it sort of ended them abruptly. They were almost on their way out anyway, the Bulldogs, and we're we're here talking about Davey, and this just leaves Davey like in this odd scenario, you know? He came in in, as part of the acquisition of Stampede Wrestling, and he came in knowing, you know, uh, Brett and and Dynamite and and, uh, Jim Neidhart, and it's just kind of like, now this is happening, and he's, you know, Dynamite's like, we're leaving. He's like, all right. Like, you just kind of he went with them. You know, I think Davey Boy was always kind of the more naive one. He just kind of said, all right, you know, I'll go with you guys if you want to go. And that's what ended up happening, I think, in this point where Dynamite's like, fuck it, I'm gone. I'm done. Like, you know, Davey Boy's like, I'll go with you. That's fine. You know. And, and I think there's a point where that does happen. And there's points later where it doesn't. I mean, um, you know, Davey was young at the time, and eventually I think Davey Spartans up. We'll talk about that shortly, right? So after leaving 
the WWF. They returned to Stampede, hoping to revive the promotion, but they were really unsuccessful. In 89, they were it was a decision they made to split up the Bulldogs, but the problem was they were still working with All Japan, and they were promoting the Bulldogs as a tag team, so it's quite confusing. So in 89, uh, Smith, with other wrestlers like Chris Benoit, Ross Hart, Jason the Terrible, they were involved in a crazy auto accident, and Smith wasn't wearing a seatbelt at the time. He needed 135 stitches after slamming his head through a windshield and being thrown 25 feet onto the pavement. I don't even know how he survived Until, that, until we did the research for this episode, I didn't even know that happened. It's crazy. It's, it's did unbelievable you, did you, stuff. Craig, I had no idea that even happened. No. And then I was looking at stuff today. Like, I wonder that's uh, whether his, because his forehead always had, a, it has a bit of a mangled kind of part on it. And I never know where that was from years of, of, of blading and that, that kind of history or whether that's from just 125 stitches right in his head. So, and according to this source, Meltzer recorded that in 2004, Dave Meltzer, which, you know, we, we, well, I have issues with not everybody does, but I do, but I tend to believe that I don't think Meltzer would, would fib on that one. Right. So he recovered though. And the Bulldogs continued teaming in all Japan against teams like, uh, Joe and D Malenko, uh, Kente Kobayashi, Tayoshi uh, Kokichi, and the Nasty Boys. Personal problems began to surface between Smith and Billington, though, and then Smith left All Japan to come back to the WWF as a singles wrestler. Best decision so, he made. Like, I, yeah, I hate to say, man, Dynamite was swollen the drain, right? And I think Smith at that point, he was the bigger guy, you know? Uh, yeah, for how sure. How many times, you know, I, I, and it's funny, Liz and I were watching, uh, um, uh, Fighting with my family. We watched it for the first time last night, and it was about the page story, right? So, and her brother was like the technical, he was really good technically, but she got sure. chosen because she had the goth kind of look and she was different or whatever. And the, the whole, you know, struggle between the two was like, he's like, you're stealing my dream. I, I'm the one that's super good at this and really good, and you're just okay. And it was just more of like, that is the whole story about like a lot of tag team splits that we see, you know, like, dynamite or benoit we liked for a long time right and and benoit so good but like that's not what they look for you know dynamite was so good how many people said they were influenced benoit one of them they were influenced by the way dynamite moved and the way he wrestled and sure you know he gave small guys hope you know and saw that but the big promotions were they were looking for the davy boys right the big broad guys and davy wasn't even overly tall but he was he was broad, very muscular. He was five eleven. Yeah, 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 you know, I mean, but he was so super wide and legitly probably walked around at 260, 265 of all muscle. And just like, you know, he had the look and and you know, for a while when he came back, he got the braids in his hair and he wore, you know, the, the flag everywhere on him. He's like a massive billboard. And like that's what people want. So it was so smart for him to not follow dynamite because dynamite, you know, was he had problems anyway, demons. But he stuck around mm-hmm. the promotions that he could use his, you know, apply his trade at. Where Japan, they love the talent that you can offer. The, the, the are you good technically? Uh, where Bulldogs, like, fuck it, I'm going back to America and I'm going to go to WWF, where I will probably have a better chance because Vince loves the big boys. He loves the strength and. And it, he wasn't even a big boy um, standing on the rope. He was the big boy doing 80% of the work in the ring because Dynamite just simply couldn't anymore. Yeah. So it's like That's not true. only was he, was he the big man, he was doing a lot of the heavy lifting. And the smartest he thing the, he ever did he is was he's the one that, he trademarked British Bulldog, which I think was another cause of strife between him and Dynamite towards the end. But big time. If, if he didn't do that before he jumped, like it's one of those things he's always – 
uh, as Jess was saying, he seemed to kind of just be the side guy and do whatever kind of the the more uh, strong-headed guy would was, whether that was Bret Hart or Dynamite. But this was the the moment that he finally, I think, stepped out and said, no, I think it's best. Everyone warned me about hanging with Dynamite and uh, and his reputation of, of being a prankster. I don't think that ever left Davy Boy, but I think he he certainly didn't start out as being kind of a, a, a bitter and as mean and as cruel as Dynamite was with with the pranks and what they did and the, the backstage issues. And you know, so it was, you know, it was kind of going along. You know, his yeah. wife, Diana was the one who was like, you better patent the British bulldog. I swear to God. Like, and he's like, okay, fuck. Okay. Like, I'm not saying he's not smart <laughs> enough on his own, but I just, I feel her making the executive call as the family leader. just going like, you seriously need to fucking like copyright that shit. So we could take it and make more money with it. Okay. Fucking calm down. Like, you know, it's like, all right. Oh, all right. Okay, just did okay. it. <laughs> Do it do an R or a TM? What do it do? Do I pick the? Is it registered or trademark? I don't know, Diane. Who who do I call? That's why yeah. you're the small one. I need you. Fuck, I'm sorry. <laughs> so he actually returned to the live event on the sixth of October. He defeated Haku, which we all know Haku would kill everybody with one handshake. But you know, <laughs> it's kayfabe, folks. Smith made his televised in-ring return on the 27th of October on an episode of Superstars. He defeated the Brooklyn Brawler, everybody's, you know, picking ons. And then over the next two years, he was basically a mid-carter, feuding with the likes of the Warlord and Mr. Perfect, things like that. He but he was Warlord a pop. Seven years. Yeah. I, and <laughs> honestly, it was, their WrestleMania 7 match, I I hate to say this, like, but like it's 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 decent in the sense of like, you really saw, and we're going to get into it later, that that Vince was thinking in his head, I, I might be able to do something with this guy. And by that, I mean, like, on, <laughs> on, a, on a championship level. Like, I, I got to test this guy. You know, like I said, he had the look and everything. And, like, you go back and watch the WrestleMania 7 match, as simple as it was, when he power slammed the massive warlord, like, that place went nuts. They were wanting to cheer for him. Again, he had the, the billboard factor going for him. He just the braids i think he came down with the dog at this point and like he was just like this everybody that vince wanted it's every quality vince wanted and like i i fondly remember that and it's odd to say that about a warlord match but like it was just like that i remember when he first came back in like 1991 and i was like i felt even as a fan like they're they're trying to prime me for him like you know what i mean does that make sense come on he's gonna go He's got those fingers separated, Bray. Take a look at it. Yeah, but he's got so much pressure in those arms and in his wrist. I'm surprised he even got up this far. Oh, look at him fighting here. He's going to break it. It looks like he's coming out of it. British Bulldog giving it everything he's got here. Come on, Slickster. you got to get your man motivated. Get him going. Well, Can we talk about the braids? Was there ever a match where he didn't? Put the <laughs> out with those oh no! Oh Why no! Would, like, ugh. 
There's one in WCW. I know we're going to get to that point when he was in WCW later. It was against Vader. I think he did something and he whipped his eye. And for the rest of the match, you see him squinting out of one eye. Like he was like, Every- fuck, like, yeah. oh, like he just, the bead whacked him right in the eyeball. Oh, geez. Well, some of that part of that, of that uh, fandom that you guys are talking about, he had a huge uh, fan, fan base in the United Kingdom because uh, the WWE actually had ratings um, hits on Sky Sports, which is a British subscription television sports channel operated by, you know, satellite pay TV, uh, Sky, and it's a division of Comcast. So they actually were able to see the British Bulldog through the WWF. So when he did go overseas and things like he was a huge sensation, people knew Davey Boy right away. So that I think some of that syndication overseas through Sky Sports is super important to Davey's rise over like the next like decade. It, Just something yeah, to think about. No, that's an important part of like his, the value that Vince saw in him. When I told, you know, just said a few seconds ago that he was, I felt like Vince was priming him. It was because Vince smelt the overseas money and he's just like, okay, like, yeah, you know, I have national stars like Hulk and Macho and all that, but I want a guy that is theirs. So when he goes over there, I don't need Hulk. I don't need Macho. I have him. And that was like really, again, we say what we want to say about Vince, right? But the fucking guy, like, just thought ev- at every angle. Well, how do I make my brand the best everywhere? Well, think about it. Think about it like this. I mean, he actually, like, to your point, he goes on to supercards like UK Rampage, and he defeats the Berserker. You know, the Berserker was the fucking boringest guy I ever saw on but Saturday isn't that morning. the isn't that the Hulk effect though? Right? Like, I mean, how of many course, shows yeah. At the, in this, but this Hulk, is, a, you know, and then. Yeah. yeah, to your point, Dave, like, yeah, it's like he was the Hulk overseas. Like, you didn't care. Oh, yeah. Hogan's on the card. Oh, who's he fighting? He's fighting Dr. David Schultz. I don't care about him, but Hulk's on, you know, and it's like, that's that's a <laughs> star power, right? Like, that's like, yeah, he puts him against a berserker. The, and the, the difference is it's at it's at London Arena in 91 and the Battle Royal at Albert Hall. Smith wins a 20 man Battle Royal by eliminating Typhoon. Like, so what? Right. Um, but still, it's because it's Davy Boy. And then he enters as the first man in the 92 Royal Rumble. He eliminated DiBiase, Sags, and Haku before being eliminated by the future champion of that year, Ric Flair, by winning that Royal Rumble. Another reason why um, that rumble is still to this day considered one of, if not the best rumble, if not one of the best rumbles, is because, uh, you know, there was a lot of questions. There were so many people in that rumble where, you know, this year was like. Who a, could win it? Yeah, this year was a pick em, right? It's more exciting when you really can't see them telegraphing who's going to win. It could have been anybody. And Davey was being primed for like a year before. What, could he have won it? Yeah. Like, I mean, really, as fans, I remember us thinking, like, a lot of this stuff could happen. Yeah, Flair's there, Hulk's there, Savage's in it. But Davey, like, no one talks about him that much in the top tier because he hadn't been there yet. And now I'm like, this this could happen. 
you know, obviously when you look back, you're like, well, of course, but like, you didn't really know, like that was a fun part about the 92 rumble was I remember Davey being in there and, and us in my living room watching and being like, the, he could, like, he could fucking win this. Like he could do it. Um, Smith again, headlined the, uh, WWS European tours at rampage, winning the 15 man battle Royal by eliminating the Mountie <laughs> in Munchkin, Germany on the Another tough opponent 14th here. of April. Yeah, fantastic. And then defeated IRS in England on April 9th, right? Then we get into the Intercontinental Championship run, right? Obviously, because of all this syndication we're talking about, all this stuff overseas, where, you know, wherever Davey's at, he is he's getting the Hogan ovation. This best way I can describe it, right? He's getting those kind of pops. And, I'm, and Vince is certainly taking notice at this point. So they decided to hold their annual SummerSlam pay-per-view in Wembley Stadium in London. This show was main evented by Smith, uh, who was led by Lennox Lewis and Bret Hart for the Intercontinental Championship. I, I want that to sink in for a second. There is a world title match on the line at SummerSlam, right? It's not the main event because it's in London and it's the British this Bulldog. This was also Davey the Boy first Smith. time in, Think about in that. WWF history, besides a house show where they did it all the time. But I mean, I televised pay-per-view that the world champion didn't go on last. That was kind of, for good or bad, it became a trend I didn't care for later. But that's how, to Dave's point, that's how big Bulldog was. Craig, Craig, I think, I don't know if you were there, Dave, but I know Craig and I, Nathan was there. We watched this at Joe's house on pay-per-view. Justin, a fortitude on the part of both participants. Sunset slip. Just that the, you see the shots, it's iconic of just all those kind of people. And man, I, I don't know what to believe of the story of Brett and how he, <laughs> um, we, how we've he, actually he carried everything. And we've talked about that on prior episodes. Craig just does not believe it. He says it's bullshit. Um, you know, we we know that there was a lot of stuff going on in Davy's background. He was struggling a little bit um, with some demons for sure. But there's no way that I mean, it, it, there's a big difference between forgetting the start of something and forgetting the move here and there and blanking out on the entire match. You know, it's it's these guys are wrestling each other over and over. I believe that when they locked up, Davey leaned in and said, "I fucking forgot everything." I believe that, <laughs> but I do not believe yeah. that after 60 seconds, Davey Boy was not totally settled in. You don't have yeah, he snapped. You don't have in. the best match yeah. of 1992 and of his career. Um, right. like where, but he forgot everything and Brett's so good and Brett's very, very good, but I mean, he's not going to come on like Bulldog snapped. It out takes, of his, it takes two to tango, tango. My friend. Bulldog totally carried his end. Brett speaks from bitter juice a lot. 
Like, I remember, God rest his soul, Davey, but, like, Brett was like, well, I hadn't uh, talked to Davey all summer, and then I see him, and he says, I've been smoking crack with Nightheart uh, for all summer, so and I was like, what? Are you, you're just throwing the man under the bus. Yeah, right. And, 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 and yeah, there's no way, A, you'd be trusted to, to, to do 80,000 people. Yeah, if he was to, smoking have crack that match with Nightheart all summer, I think Davey would probably have lost a little weight at that time and looked a little worse for wear. He looked pretty fucking good at SummerSlam 92, you know what I mean? Like... He he did. That wasn't a crack body. Yeah, right. That's you don't. That's not typically a crackhead body. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Brett really they, knows. They, like yeah, he had all of his teeth on top of it all. So yeah, Davey Boy looked great. <laughs> but I, I think guess, I, I think I think you guys put that one to bed. But this is where Smith won a title, which is regarded uh, as many people would say the finest of his career. One of the best matches he and and definitely Hart too. I mean it's funny how we, we talk about all these matches and these great matches, some of the greatest ever. And they, they, that's the over 50% of the time they involve Bret Hart. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It is true. Smith actually loses this title to model, uh, sorry, to Michaels on the 14th of November on a Saturday night's main event. And he was released by the WWF, him and the ultimate warrior were released at this time. They were receiving shipments of human growth hormone, uh, from a pharmacy in England, and they were both released. Um, so I wonder who turned the warrior onto that this. contact. <laughs> oh Jesus! From England. <laughs> hey, I, I know yeah. a guy. Hey. You do? I, ah, I guess I do. And, Are you working today? And yeah. T- Two things about this moment here is, first of all, to Jess's point about res- respecting Bret Hart more, I really wish that I at some would have respected Shawn oh, Michaels sure. less. Because in the research for yeah. this this week, this was the beginning of Shawn Michaels kind of um, being the roadblock to every Davy Boy um, kind of victory from like here on out. For some reason, Shawn I, I believe he knew it would get to Bret. It was unbelievable yeah he knew it would get um, to bread after a while i think that's a main reason why michael did it it wasn't even like directed at davy it was more of just like this is gonna fuck with brett because davy was family and so michael's is a dick like he's a huge asshole and it, it, this is coming like so the trial is about to hit the steroid trial and the fight with the u.s government's about to hit mcmahon in the face so of course this is just bad timing kind of for davy boy and anyone big and, and a bad of course you've got to get rid of him so yeah. it's it happens in 94. This is the end of 92. The trial itself is 94, I think. But that whole year of 93, is where it's all it's stressing out and coming to a head. So it's just what are you going to do? Hey, who hasn't ordered steroids online from England? No, totally. I you. should. Hey, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll start. OK, <laughs> you know, I tell you, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> shit happens. And by the way, you know, nobody gets nearly as mad at the um the major league baseball association for steroids as they do for banging on trash cans. But I digress, you know, not even that just on that point, like this. Okay. And I know I'm going to use the F word and people hate it that are wrestling fans. This shit's fake, but yet they penalize, right. They penalize wrestlers almost harder sometimes than, yeah. re- than actual athletes in baseball and basketball who get caught doing it. It's so funny. Major League Baseball is a prime yeah, example. Fucking of so that. hard on wrestling for it, and I'm like, it's guys, it's a it's a movie. Like, I don't like using the fake word, right? But like, it's that it's like stuntmen that are live action heroes. Like, but you're holding them to the same standard that you would, you know. You don't uh, you don't get on Stallone for that. You don't get yeah, on like it's crazy. But I mean, it is what it is, and we've all known it's always been an issue, and they still test for it now. 
But like, it's just sort of, it's, I'm not saying let people go nuts. I wish they would make certain things legal. I've always had that stance, but like it, because you do what you want to do, but especially in wrestling, it's all about the look, right? And, and they do it to heal quick. They do it to look good. And uh, if the guys over abuse it, I mean, I'm not saying that the string of deaths that happened from growth hormones, that that was from ignorance of the product. That wasn't from like, you know, you got to look good and be a wrestler. I'm not saying kill yourself, be smart about it, have a doctor prescribe it to you. But when you make this shit illegal, people are going to get it from England and then just fucking like consume it in mass quantities. And then they die in their 30s in their sleep or whatever. And it's like, so you, you it's a double-edged sword. Like you, you blame them, yes, and you can blame the industry, but also like, well... If you make it illegal and make them ashamed to do it, what like it's like training, you know, training, that's a terrible word, teaching your kids <laughs> training. Um, it's just like you, you tell them no, not to do something. They're going to do it. And like that's no matter how old you are, if you're in an industry and they're like, don't do that. They're like, I got I to gotta fucking do that. I got to look good. And that's just <laughs> right. Just don't well, get caught. Yeah. Like it, it's just it's so sad that those two guys are, got the brunt of the. Everyone was doing. My goodness, it's just, yeah. It and here Hogan, yeah. Hogan, the asshole, like left earlier in the year because he fucking knew it was coming down. He's like, I'm retiring to do movies, Make, like m- making but it was a really movie to yeah. get the fuck out of Dodge so I don't get caught. Like, and everybody knew Hulk looked like shit in the beginning of '92, looked fat and out of shape. And it's like, you know, the smart ones jump ship quick and left. Macho put a shirt on. And, oh, you know they were mean? tips. Like, just, they yeah. were fucking. You know, they were Macho tips. He did. Like, yeah, he did. He put a shirt on. <laughs> and then, but Warrior and Davey were like, "But if we get it from England, though, it's like I know." That's, I, I wonder. You know, they they talk about how Macho wanted to, um, you know, go behind and start start pushing on the, um, you know, on on the on the microphone and stuff. I don't think that was it. I think they they tipped him. They tipped Hogan. Why don't you step away for a while? Yeah. And that's nobody's going to admit that. Even Bruce Pritchard can't admit that, but that's what fucking happened. Like, if you can't be a man about it and just tell oh, us, yeah, well, they tipped him off and Hogan you know? was smart and he was just like, I'm going to go do a shit movie. And Macho's like, I'll put a shirt on and a cowboy yeah. hat and sit behind a desk for like so a you, year. You, you don't you need know? to test me. Like, yeah, you don't need to test me at all. But yeah, it's just yeah. sort of like, yeah, it, it's what happened. And like Craig said, Davey and Warrior just got, they got the blunt of it because they were the sort of silly ones that stuck around towards the end going, it's fine. And then, no, it's it's not yeah. fine. Like, I'm fired. Shit. Do you like my muscles? Do you? Do you, you like I got to lose to Sean. What the fuck? Like, it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's going to get worse than that. Then you just drop in the belt. So let's get on. Let's get on a quick little two year push here because David uh, Boy goes to, you know, ECW for 92, 93. Goes to all Japan for uh, part of the year '93. Also WCW for a part of the year '93. WCW is super interesting to me because mm-hmm. I they were commonly the land of you didn't get treated good in WWF. Well, come on over, Steamboat. We'll put the title on you. Well, come on over, Rude. There you go. We'll treat you good, Rude. We'll t- you know what I mean. So Davey comes over, and I really thought he's gonna win the title. How would he not? He's the he's a guy from the other company that they're trying to beat. He's got all that mainstream attention and he's got foreign appeal. So how the Davey's going to win the goddamn title? He never fucking did, but he did leave us with classic fucking Vader matches. They were all beautiful. All of them. No, I don't think he is. Oh, and here's Sid Vicious. 
Here he is! Oh! And Sid catches Davy Boy. That's an automatic disqualification. Yeah, and he was, and, and Vader was that heel champion at the time, and um, he also uh, did some feuds with Vicious, and he kind of forms an alliance with Sting, and it's, it's pretty decent time, but it's just it's so quick. Um, you know, he basically returns to the United Kingdom '94 and well, wrestles and for on, All Star. Sorry, wrestling. I know we're running short of time, but like, weird, he didn't win one fucking title in WCW, not one. Yeah, not one. What the hell are we doing here? You get. Yeah, that's WCW for you. Like they get him, and I know they were pushing Vader, and that's fine and all. But like, yeah, you get Davy Boy. The you know he and they did it really. And it, we I've talked about it in past episodes about why Bischoff brought Hogan over there. Where after a while, when the you know the uh, bloom fell off the rose, they were like, "Oh, Hulk's not spiking ratings anymore. He's not spiking this, not spiking that." But Bischoff used him for international appeal and just a major like a mainstream name. Whereas WCW, one of the few things they did right in 93, they brought Bulldog over because they wanted to start touring England and, and overseas and Europe. And they wanted to use Bulldog for that. And they had semi-successful tours because they brought him over for that. So even though he didn't win a title that I joked about, they used him intelligently for once WCW did before the NWO came um, that, that they used him to try to do that. And so Davey was important for that. How they didn't at least give him a fucking like a month run for God's sakes with something. Uh, I don't know, but um, yeah, like I don't want to yada yada pass I mean, that run because he, he did a lot of good stuff. I mean, Craig and I would always laugh about the bead well, getting whipped in his eye and all that stuff. There's a, there's a bit of a theory on this. When you look at this run from, you know, ECW, All Japan, WCW, and All-Star Wrestling, where he kind of takes over for Big Daddy, who retires from a stro- suffering a freaking stroke in 93. <laughs> this this, this two-year run Sorry. is strictly uh, filler for a check before he comes back to his second return in the, in the WWF. I mean, is it not? But there's also the issue, again, timing in his career of just wrong place, wrong time, or just bad luck. But And I don't know how much the altercation, the legal issues people have said uh, and through his history he got released because he got fought a guy in a bar in 93 with wcw and he put him in a front face lock and the guy was in a coma and was sued for like 1.5 million or something but who knows if that actually yeah i didn't know that either i was gonna say that too i took thank you craig but i had i i didn't know that either until i read the research for this episode like that that happened that that was the big disruption in wcw that's insane to me yeah which it never really went anywhere obviously but yeah, he actually was. It was an altercation. He was the apparently the man was making advances towards Davy's wife in the bar. Apparently, oh, don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Actually, he could have saved one million dollars by just saying, "Don't do that." Instead, he's no. like, "Yeah," and I, and I would have said, "I would have said, yes, sir, yeah. yes, sir." I understand. So, so but, again, like, and I think this runs kind of throughout. Like, he was part of the Syracuse thing with Sean and just other stuff. It's just always wrong place, wrong time, and who would have known maybe they would have given a title or maybe he was a follower i guess gonna... right like he and i, I don't yeah. i don't mean to be rude but like it's funny when we watch the documentary um the wrestling with shadows the bret hart one craig used to always like make me laugh because <laughs> that scene where they're all just dicking around the heart foundation they were heels at the time and they were dicking around before they had to do an interview and brett was the one that walked over and he's like come on davy guys come on we're late let's go over to the thing and craig would always do davy going oh uh you want me to uh uh and it was like just kind of and i used to always laugh at craig for doing that impression because that was davy <laughs> he was just innocently trying to be just a fun frat boy 
And like, but you know, the authority would come over, like Brett going, Davey, come, stop fucking around. Oh, I was, uh, I wasn't, uh, okay. Like, and he would just go and, <laughs> yeah. But that was always Davey, I think. And I don't know him as a person, obviously, but like, I think that was always Davey. And he, I think he was innocent to... to a certain extent. I think he just kind of, like Craig always said, he just trusted certain people. And then, yeah, Syracuse would happen. This or, was probably know. the, and this was probably the funnest time for them because this is where, you know, they, they kind of involve the allied powers and Brett gets to roll with Owen quite a bit. And Owen is like, Owen Hart is one of the biggest rivers of all time in any, any wrestling <coughs> fashion, right? So, you know, they were having, they were just having a blast. Craig, what's the, the gym's over there probably what's doing the thing that Coke Bulldog used to always say about Owen? Fucking Owen? How do you say it? Fucking Owen. Yeah. And I think that's a huge point, Jess. And I think if you hear people and they talk about the memory of Davy Boy, Diana says it in their retrospective. And I think, uh, who else says it? I think Pritchard said it too. Or he was like a big kid. He was fun loving, but a big kid. And I think for better or for worse, if you don't have kind of this, again, again, I don't know him and you hate talking about, you know, but if you're just a fun loving kid, sometimes you don't make the right decision. I think he had a problem with motivation. He could turn it on when he wanted and have five star matches and then he could stink up the joint. And then maybe that's why he never got to that next level of being a champion. And he, he needs that like authority figure in his life kind of thing. And he's kind of a river and fun loving and never quite that alpha uh, mentality or, or personality. He was just kind of a guy that adjusted and could turn it on, but in essence, a child almost. Yeah. Like, and it makes a lot of sense. In other words, like, it's like all the top guys are paranoid to a certain extent, right? We talked about that off mic about a certain star. Um, and they're they're paranoid to a certain extent where they're like, I I have to be better than the best. And so I have to do this or I have to do it. And they obsess. I don't, I'm not saying Davey didn't work hard or work far, hard for his body or his craft, but Brett, it was paranoid. And Brett was always like, come on, fucking guy, come on. And then it's like, you know, the Nighthearts and the Davy Boys were like, oh, okay, so he's fucking, I told you that he was going to get mad. And it's like, that was just kind of like their dynamic. And like, Davy, it's not that he didn't work hard, but yeah, he wasn't like that paranoid, like, I got to fucking, I got to, uh, what's that guy saying about me? I got to be better than him. I got to, yeah, I got to talk yeah. to Vince before him. Like, you know, and Davy wasn't that. He was just sort of like, like Craig said, like, mm-hmm. just wrong place, wrong time. Just, all right, okay. And maybe, yeah, promoters looked at that and they're like, um, we'll use him and we'll push him. But I don't know if we want to put the big thing on him. I don't know. I don't know if we do. If he spent 10 minutes being the politicker that Sean was or Triple H or Brett or anyone, like if he truly wanted to, like imagine what he could have done. Instead, he's like, OK, you go over this time. and maybe Don't get mad, time. Brett. Calm down. I didn't know. All right. When do I go? I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you want me to lose in England to you even though my sister who's dying? Okay, that's all right then. We'll do that. <laughs> like, oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. That's <laughs> so true. Sorry, and what I'm referring to is completely jumping ahead. I'm sorry, but Shawn Michaels beat him for the first time. Yes. No, no, you're totally, you're totally fine. And somehow Shawn Michaels apparently had convinced Vince. And it makes sense absolutely in the story and, and heat and that kind of thing. But there was an angle with his real life sister that he ended up losing in England uh, and didn't find out the day of in England. The European title. And- right. That's how good Michaels was, like in convincing Vince Oof. to do everything his way. And I'm trying to I'm trying to track this down because I was I was too busy looking at the rumble where Michaels beat him as well. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and yeah. 95. <laughs> yeah. And then go ahead and all the title defenses that, and the European, yeah. And the IC tie, everything. Jess, you were right. Yeah. What a 
Yeah. I'm trying to tell you guys. I've been trying to tell you guys for years that Michael's a fuck. For decades. He's a piece of shit. It's true. Like, and I defended him. I would always go to Jess like, Jess, but if you had one DVD of your favorite restaurant at Desert Island, mine would be Shawn Michaels. So it's like, but I'm so sorry. Like years I've tried to. You're right. He was a conniving cocksucker. And like, when he came back, I am willing to believe that he... Did to, he did do his best work in 2002 and after when he came back. But before that, that son of a bitch, like, did, was such a shit stir. And Vince loved him. It's Vince's fault, too. Like, Vince didn't stop and put the, the wall up and go, now, I'm going to do what's right. No, Vince is just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, Brett is a, he's a fucker. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, Davey. Yeah, yeah. Of course you're going to beat him in England. Anyway, next subject, because that's a given. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, let's fuck fuck your best friend Kevin Nash over. We'll do that too, no problem. Uh, like it, every wow. everything everything he did. Like, and then finally in the end, when he got so drugged out and back hurt, you know, he was just like, "We're going with Austin," and no, we're not. No, we are. And that was, I'm leaving. Okay, goodbye. Like that's the only thing that stopped Michaels was just fucking like someone Hogan like yeah. that came up and uh, just made more money than Sean ever could. Like, finally, over where Vince is like, I follow the fucking dollar. Like, that's what I do. So, yeah, I know that we, we yeah. jump way ahead. But, like, yeah, like, it's so Yeah, cool. it's, it's all good. Well, you know, it, it, there, there's a lot of stuff here. And it, it, there is a lot of words. But it's it just, it just amounts to the fact that you have the Allied Powers in 94 to 95. You know, we talk about that. You know, where, you know, they they did, uh, they tried to beat Owen Hart and Yokozuna for the tag titles there. They, it doesn't happen. Um, you know, he actually disbanded. We saw the that, Allied by the way, not to cut you off, Dave, but we were in the front yeah. row, Dave, uh, at, at, the Storm, at the Storm Stadium for a house show in 1995. And oh, yeah, the match, the tag title match on that card was Lex Luger and the Bulldog against Yoko and Owen. And we saw it in the front row live. And Craig brought the Union Jack British flag. And I'll never forget it because <laughs> he's trying to get Yo- uh, he's trying to get Davey with attention. And we're in the front row and Davey just wouldn't lock eyes on our side. He just kept like looking everywhere else. And then Luger of all people like looked yeah. at Craig super excited like, oh, and he like, tapped. Hold it up. Yeah, he tapped Davey boy and, and told Craig to hold it up. And Davey looked. He's like, oh, eh, thumbs up, big guy. Anyway, like. Could just, not. <laughs> really shit, Could like, not care. <laughs> he was. Davey's not a dick. So, but like, yeah, it was just so funny. It was just one of those things where it was like Craig finally got his attention. And I also I also think it was like 110 on in like Elsinore. Yeah. And those guys well, like, and Yokozuna here, did but. the funniest shit. Like while the match was going on, he was on the apron and Owen was in there getting beat up by the bulldog. So Craig kept holding up the, the flag and we kept trying to get Yoko's to where Yoko, Yoko, we're yelling at him to point to Craig's flag and then thinking that we would get a heel reaction, right? <laughs> Finally, Yoko looked over because we were yelling his name so much and he saw Craig hold the flag and he shrugged his shoulders in such an I don't give a shit <laughs> manner and it made us all <laughs> laugh really hard. Like he diffused us right away, which a great heel will do. Instead of overreacting, he looked at us and he's like, oh, I don't care. And like just went right back to watching <laughs> Owen in the ring. And it was fantastic. Like it was great. Like, yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to stop the show. It's uh, just, that's a personal, we were in the front fantastic. row. It was a very personal experience for all of us. Yeah. So, so good. Smith found a replacement in Diesel when Luger no shows the match uh, for Men on a Mission. And Smith actually attacks Diesel, turns heel for the first time, helping Men on a Mission beat up Diesel, aligning with Jim Cornette's stable. And that's where we get to Cap Cornette from 95 to 97. And may I say, um, in December of 95, yeah. Davy Boy rematched Brett for the WWF championship, and Brett was champion. I I want to go on record and say I like this match better than their SummerSlam match. 
their match at in wow. your house 95 was fantastic like it was really in really your good. house in hershey pennsylvania yes it was really really good and it, it, ironically it's funny it's those two again you know but uh was davy on crack this time i don't remember brett saying that like and they they tore the house down so davy more then carried his shit here and uh you know brett bled and like they took shit on the outside and i remember watching this match going this is better than their SummerSlam match you know i think the SummerSlam match was so good because there was a lot of people and it was a great match don't get me wrong but they were both faces and that was also unique but like this here it was a classic heel davy boy against brett and like they they did so many great stuff here i cannot stress you should go back and watch this match like they were so good both both of them were and like that's it's important to go and watch this match because 95 was such a flex year for WWF and not good. And but these two still like just went out there and like in, in your house, right? In December. And they're just like, yeah, we're gonna tear the fucking house down. And they so did. The winner's bulldog has finished Red Hart. I didn't think anyone could finish the hitman, but Davy Boy Smith has done it. What's he gonna do? No. What is he gonna do? Randy Boy Smith pulling up what little bit of protective padding there is on the outside of the ring. Gonna slam him on the concrete floor? This is over ice in. No. Grant trying to block it. And he did. Grant goes. And it, it was during a no blood policy, and I think the top of his hairline or something, he bleeds like a stuck pig. It's everywhere, Brett. But it's so good, and it completely adds to it. And it, it's also every 10 seconds was a shot of Diana with concerned face, um, <laughs> his wife again. Which was like SummerSlam. Uh, yeah, but it, yeah. I think it is. I think you're you're absolutely right. It was a better match. It was great. It was really good. Like I, I really I, their SummerSlam match again, also fantastic. What am I saying? But like this match, go back and watch it. It's worth it. Absolutely worth it. Yeah, it, it's kind of funny too because it's a notable incident because there was supposed to be no bleeding at that time, uh, which is such a stupid rule anyway. <laughs> but Hart's like, fuck it, I'm bleeding anyway. It's fucking whatever, you know. So Smith enters the 96 Royal Rumble where he made it to the final four and he was eliminated by who once again? Uh, your Shawn favorite Michael asshole. PA. There you go. In your house six, he lost to Yokozuna by disqualification after Vader interferes at WrestleMania 12. He teamed with Vader and Owen to defeat Yokozuna, Ahmed Johnson, and Jake Roberts. That sounds like a horseshit match. And in your house by, seven. He was, he was pinned by Shawn Michaels in that match. Uh, and well, I know you talked about the 96 Rumble, but in the 95 Rumble, which is before the Brett and Bulldog rematch. Uh, yeah, guess who? that's guess, what we're talking about, where he was supposed to beat Sean and kind of Sean hits one fucking foot on the rope. Yeah, that was 95 and then 96. Right. I think. Uh, what, sorry, I thought you said 96. I was like, did Sean fucking really eliminate him two years in a row? Like that just. No, he did. Oh, that's that, absolutely that true. fuels yeah. my fire. Like, Jesus Christ. That's like, exactly God what happened. No, he, go, he goes to the final two in 95, and Sean gets that one foot, um, <laughs> you know, touching the floor. Well, but remember how loud we cheered, Craig? Rolls, we thought Bulldog won because you up. didn't see. When they knocked Michaels over, you didn't see the one foot hit. You just saw Michaels go over because the hard camera's on the opposite. Craig, I think, jumped through my window at that point when he thought that Bulldog won. And then, like, they... 
they all of a sudden you see the replay and you see Sean doing the whole one foot thing. And then he gets in because Davey Davey's music was playing and he thought he won. And Michaels dumps him out and like was like, what the fuck? And like Craig said, totally continues to set the stage for the way it would go with those two. The way it would go. Yep. That sounds That's like a right. good idea. Okay. I guess it's fair. Michael, I guess so. what's going to happen? Sean will win. Is that you're going to yeah. live in it? Okay. One foot, and then you're going to get right. all the... Okay. Okay. And then you- but, you know, I mean, it's all good because, you know, Smith forms a tag team with uh, Owen Hart, and they actually win the world title from the Smoking Guns. You know, there you go. And they defended those titles against... Uh, God, who cares? Vader and Mankind. <laughs> with Legion of Doom. I don't give a shit about Doug Furness and Phil LaFond, but okay. David! I have no defense. But I'm just saying, don't speak ill of Doug Furness and Philip Lafon, please. Okay, all right. And, and so in '97, this, this tag team was fantastic. Like, right? Like we always talk about, you know, that you hear wrestlers say, "Oh yeah, wrestling that guy's a night off." I can only imagine like the cool times that they had. And you know, I say it because both wrestlers are dead, and Owen passed away super tragically. Um, it was aw- it, it was. I really fondly remember Bulldog and Owen together. It was really fucking. They were funny. And like you hear all the cool shit on the road about Owen would crack everybody up and they both would just but and Davey was a prankster too, you know. He was a, like Craig said he was a kid at heart. That 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 time, just even watching them on camera, they were so fun to watch, right? Like Owen and Davey was so cool. I'm glad they won the tag titles and you know, I I I it was a real fun time where I remember the Bulldog fondly and going like God, he's having fun. Like he's having a lot of fun. Yeah, agreed. And I think because they were screwing, you know the bulldog over so badly. They actually created the title for him in 97, the WWF Euro championship. Yeah. And, no, and he became the first so to hold that title. Michael's going to win it. I'm convinced that it could have happened, but he did win that in a tournament. He defeated his own tag team partner, Owen in the finals on the 26th of February, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then in 97 Hart and Smith, they later joined forces with Bret Hart, Jim Hart, I'm sorry, Jim Neidhart and Brian Pillman, to have a new form of the Hart Foundation, which is a large heel faction, which was made to feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin and other American wrestlers, right? This was probably the the epitome of some of the greatest stuff in factions, some of the greatest work of Brett's career, um, and and Davey was probably a part of that ride or or less. But this is, isn't this where we get the, if you were going to put an enema into the country of the U.S., you'd stick the hose right over here in Pittsburgh. This is kind of where all this happens. This is phenomenal stuff by Brett. I don't want to overshadow, but this is the kind of stuff like this heel faction was some of the best stuff you'd ever see from Brett because of this faction that was formed. And, and um, you know, uh, the British Bulldog was a big part of that. The In Your House Canadian Stampede comes to mind. That ovation that the Hart Foundation gets where it the the whole thing with Barrett was working, where he's face outside of the US and but he's heel in the US. That in your house Canadian Stampede in Canada was they announced each member of the Hart Foundation one by one and each one got a louder ovation like coming out. And like it was just uh yeah, Brett, Davey was a part of that. 
And, um, and, and, and he had the lineage. He should have been. And it was really cool. Like that, that another moment, go back and watch, even if you don't want to, the match was good too, but like go back and watch that match to, just for the entrance of the heart foundation, just stellar shit, stellar shit. What was it? A 10 man tag? What was it? I believe it was a 10 man. It was, yes, it was, uh, Brian Owen, Davey, Brett Anvil. Yes. It was a 10 man tag against LOD, Shamrock, Goldust, and Austin. I'm pretty sure. So here's the interesting thing. Smith actually, he the whole time he's holding this European title, and he actually starts a feud with Kim Shamrock, and he eventually loses it to Shawn Michaels, which is very interesting on a one-night uh, one only. He was booked in the main event to defend that belt against Michaels, but Michaels convinces uh, VKM that he should win it Dave. as he would create build-up, not only news, for his impending match against Bret Hart, but also for a rematch against Smith at the next oh. British pay-per-view, which... David Boy, he reluctantly agrees, and they, oh. <laughs> even though they gave Smith an ovation, this was a huge displeasure by British fans. They viciously booed Michaels, and they littered the ring with garbage. Probably not as bad as Bash of the Beach, right? But pretty bad. And this is one of the this is the only time that Smith lost on a WWF card in the United Kingdom, according to these citations. I'm just here. shocked that Michaels politicked. That's odd. Oh, it never happens. Yeah, yeah. Fucking, I'm shocked right now. Learn something new. Yeah. Every day fucker you know god damn it yeah. well, it, it was it was his turn it was his time yeah and michaels had been shit on all before that never got anything his yeah. way and uh i don't think he'd ever won a rumble no whoa, he never won whoa. a match i don't think until this point this was his first victory period in wwf michaels so i'm being too hard on michaels i just feel that uh god no fuck that guy god but damn it like I, I i think this this match too brett was i love how brett makes it all about him but i think <laughs> is it rick rude and triple h come out in the middle of this match to make it uh i guess the ending more palatable to be like well he was outnumbered right um, yeah but like brett hart and the rest of the Hart foundation don't come out until like the very very end and that upset brett he's like well what were we doing i was like i don't know it was just a story like just <laughs> yeah i mean sorry, if you thought about like, like that was you know, stupid we watched the awesome segment with orton and edge this last week on raw and it's like, you know, some people were still saying the same thing. How come nobody ran out to rescue Edge? He's a legend. He's a treasure. And I'm like, because they couldn't do the storyline if somebody came out two seconds later and <laughs> saved him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. nothing would ever get done in wrestling if everyone always ran down and saved their friends. Like, so, yeah, it's like you have to right. do you do have to suspend disbelief. But no, from the beginning, this was fucking garbage, hot garbage. And it was just Michael's. Yeah. It was Michael's in the back, just politicking and being a shit. And doing what he always did. And like Craig said earlier, well, Davey, sadly, was always his fucking foil. Like, always. Because I think I really believe that he knew it would get to Brett. I really do believe that. That Michaels knew it would always just fucking kind of needle Brett a little bit. Like, all through those years. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, politicking and all these other issues, we have to get into, briefly, the events of SummerSlam. Right? Becoming infamous for the uh, Montreal Screwdrop. But... On that same date and pay-per-view, Smith was a part of Team Canada alongside Jim Neinhart, uh, Doug Furness, Philip LaFone, defeating Team USA, Vader, Goldust, and Mark Murrow. Wow. And the See, defeating Dave, Steve uh Furness and LaFone fucking want a match. Jesus. Give them fucking their mm-hmm. due. Yeah, I'm sure he had a lot to do Selfish. with it. Anyway. Phil um, and Doug, as I like to call them. Phil and Doug. Who do you lose the titles to? Uh, Phil and Doug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so bad. So we all know what happened here. You know, this is the infamous screw job. <laughs> Vince manipulates the finish. What's your Bret gimmick on this? On that? What's your gimmick? We're, uh, we're filling. Phil. <laughs> so. 
we're neighbors, but like I'm we, Phil we, and uh, I'm Doug. I mean, together we're Phil and Doug, and they say Phil it together, like, and that's it. Like, so the reason why this is so important, <laughs> by the way, is nice that when Brett, mailbox, when Brett Phil. gets screwed, when Brett gets screwed, obviously Davy Boy follows him not soon after, right? So they both go to WCW um, for a couple of years, right? For Davy anyway. He rejoins in late 97. He begins a feud with uh, Mongo McMichael. That's a trade-up. I'm so glad he went to WCW. Uh, oh, my geez. God. Um, from the uh, Part of the hottest Jesus. feud in wrestling, and then he goes to mm. Mongo. Yeah. Hey, the boy, the, boy had a, the boy had a mouth on him, didn't he? I'll tell you he that. Did. He really yeah. did. Mongo, Mongo knew how to work a microphone, that's, that's for sure. That's all he knew how to work. But Smith, uh, oh, no. Smith suffered a knee injury in April 98, and that sidelined him for a month. And then he suffered another much more serious injury on the 13th of September, 98, um, with uh, a match with Nineheart against the Dancing Fools, Disco Inferno, and Oscar. Wait, David, David, goddammit, stop for a minute. (laughs) I try to get through it, I just can't. Can you say that last sentence again for me, please? (laughs) Okay, are you ready? Okay. He suffered a, a much more serious injury on the 13th of September in 1998 at Fall Brawl. During his match with Jim the Anvil Nightheart against the Dancing Fools, Disco so, Inferno, and Alex God, Wright. Like, <laughs> like he was the, like not wow. even a year before he was part of the hottest wrestling angle, right? And we talked about all wow. these classic matches with Brett and the way he was used as like an overseas attraction, all that. And he suffers pretty much the, you know, could very well be that that it's not all this injury. It was other things that he was doing behind the scenes, but... This well, is the dominoes that started his career to fall against the dancing fools. Thank you. But you, know, WCW, you know, according thank you, WCW for blindly purchasing names <laughs> just to fuck Vince over. I mean, you, you get yeah. God, like, oh, man, don't don't forget. Uh, don't forget the ding dongs. But don't you know, I just, just I, I hate to see that. Like, I know wrestlers when they get old, sometimes they dip off and I, there's so many sad well, stories. I, I, fuck like. Davey, this Davey is even boy. sadder, though, when you think about how this happened, how this injury happens to him. According to the citations here, he twice lands awkwardly on a trapdoor that had been set up for that pe- underneath for the, the canvas to enable warrior. the warrior to make an entrance, yeah. which is right in the middle of the ring. And there are two rings because it's fall brawl because there's a war game. City. And they, but they, you, they but you, could, with, you couldn't use the other fucking ring. The ring right? And they didn't tell door. anybody about the trapdoor because it was a super secret. Yeah. So he falls twice directly. And instead of putting the uh, the all the singles matches before the war games on the other fucking ring where there was no trapdoor, they put him on the ring with the trapdoor. Again, thank you WCW for mm. just being a fucking. I mean, player. and this is—I know we're joking about it, but this is pretty serious. This results in a spinal infection that nearly paralyzes him, and it hospitalizes Smith for six months. And uh, by the way, um, you know how people like at WCW like to fire you via FedEx. Um, Smith is no exception to that. He. Gets that while he's recuperating, um, letting him know that his WCW contract had been terminated. Following this serious back injury, he battled an addiction to morphine and pangolin drugs, which is just too uh, too common of a tale, right? As far as that goes. And apparently, he had to he had to leave the hospital room after six months because um, Shawn Michaels wanted it. <laughs> oh no! God damn it! <laughs> or Shawn wa- so, Shawn wanted to come in and pin him while he was like just yeah. on the stretcher. And so yeah. they had to do that. They had to like, oh, yeah, God. yeah that is true. That uh, Dave, I don't know if it, they didn't put that on Wikipedia, which is odd. Is that in the notes, Dave? Yeah, that's not in the it, citations. So we'll have to go back and review. Yeah, yeah. okay. <sighs> and, I, and you know what's even even crazier? I, I can't even imagine. But after all this, 
Smith actually returns back to the WWF for his third return in 1999 following the death of Owen, uh, which is just a horrible, tragic accident. It's in our archives, by the way. Uh, Jess gets very oh. emotional about that. I think we all do, but it's in there. It's in there. Uh, and keeping up with the Attitude Era, Smith can't wrestle in his, uh, you know, his flag pants anymore. He's got to wrestle in jeans, apparently. Uh, so a challenge has been issued by the big boss man. Any dog lovers back there? I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be too eager to take that challenge. Well, somebody has taken... Wait a minute. What? Is it? Anakin? It is! The British Bulldog is back! King, this must be the last guy the boss man was expecting! I, I can't believe it's the last man I expected! I thought, I thought he was in a hospital bed somewhere! We knew the Bulldog was coming back to the World Wrestling Federation, but we didn't know it would be this soon! The Bulldog, a former tag team champion! European well, okay, wait, time, wait, 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 wait. I know that we we say it's stupid because that's where we're used to him, but this was in '99. This was the full-on Attitude Era. WWF has overtaken WCW at this point, and they're drumming them in the ratings in '99. And so I, I think that some people become legends the walking out in jeans, wrestling back and some then, people look and like Davey walks down having a cold one know, after doing their long English tights on, and that would I don't think that would have fit. I'm being honest, like it. I'm not saying I like what they did with him. They put him in blue jeans and he came down to like dogs barking. They put yeah. and they put him in the hardcore championship story. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying I like what they did with him, but I don't see him coming back in the traditional bulldog look here. It just wasn't that era anymore. He had to change it up. You know, this was an, this was an era where guys used their real names. You know what I mean? Like, you know, WCW it was their real first and last name. So I, I, I get what you're saying, Dave, but I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I can't see him coming back with the union flag on his tights. I, I, I don't know. Bah, bah, right. bah. Yeah. Yeah. Bah, bah, bah. This, I, I, I'm, I'm really glad that he went back to WWF here because he did look in much better shape. And, and if you go back and look at the 97, 98 Davy boy and WCW, he looked really bloated and sad. It was hard to watch him. And, and I'm, I, I, I you can only speculate what exactly he was doing in his private time, but he wasn't very healthy. I don't believe at this point. And he was injured a lot to his, to his. What's funny team. is he still pulls down a hardcore championship, a European championship here. Actually. Yeah. No. Okay. You never know. No, no, I'm just, shit. I'm just saying like, you know, it, it's, it's, this is a lot of stuff going on, but, you know, later on in his career, he basically uh, wrestles. He actually wrestles in three tag team matches, even with his son, Harry Smith, who we've, we've seen, you know, in the independence now was just fucking massive. Right. And um, that's kind of where it ends in 2002. Right. Yeah. Like it, he left WWF. It didn't really work out there in that sense, but I'm glad he got to kind of semi finish it off and you look clean in there and you looked semi healthy and I, I'm not, trying to judge him at this point you know he had a lot he had a long career when did you say he started when he was 15 7 78 like like i yeah, think about we're talking about 99 when he wrapped it up and then everything that happened with the de- his demons and everything in between what a long fucking run or long painful run at times you know owen dies brett gets screwed and vice versa brett gets screwed then owen dies and it's just kind of like god like 
he did go through a lot. That was his family to a certain extent, outside and inside of the ring. And like, what a long stretch. You know, you look at that now and you're just like, fuck. Like, I'm glad he could at least look decent in 99 and 2000 when he did that run. But yeah, like Dave said, in 02, he at least showed up on the indies and wrestled with his son. And he was training for a comeback at that point. He wanted to go back to one of the to WWF at that point, who had bought WCW already in 2002. So he was looking for a comeback sure. already. Yeah, the fact that he, the weekend before he died, he got to that kind of touched me. He um, got to do it with his son. I mean, that's that's just heartbreaking. Twenty five year career, and he and he passed at thirty nine for God's 39. sake. Thirty like, nine. I mean, that's just yep. unbelievable. Um, but he was a monster. He was a big guy, but he like you go and watch. We used to make fun of his matches, but like you'd watch him with Regal and he still could do all those technical, like British, like European kind of style. He could lift you up in a vertical suplex that took like six minutes. He could go toe to toe with Michaels. It like, he was amazing. He was great. He never got to that next level, but like he's, he was a worker and he was old school and I loved watching him. He was a huge part of uh, like our, uh, our life of, of growing up watching wrestling through the eighties, nineties and aughts or, or beginning of the aughts. So what a mass, he was a uh, massive yeah. part of our childhood. Like really he was for sure. So to get that personal portion in and, um, you know, Smith and his wife, Diana had two children, um, Harry and Georgia, um, in early 2000, Diana divorced him and Smith uh, was given shared custody mm-hmm. at that time. He entered a drug rehabilitation clinic at the behest of, Vincent Mann, who always paid for it, paid for a lot of guys' rehab, right? Um, he had Because he had problems with prescription painkillers and morphine since his back injury that he had suffered in WCW, and he was released from the company after he, he kind of uh, take care of that. So um, Smith died on the 18th of May in 2002 after suffering a heart attack while on holiday in uh, Invermore, British Columbia, with his girlfriend, who was Bruce Hart's estranged wife, Andrea Redding. An autopsy revealed past anabolic steroid use may have played a part in his death, but there's no certain reason that was found. Because nobody knew anything about growth hormones. They wreaked havoc on you. I mean, we saw that string where Guerrero dies and Perfect, I believe. I really believe Perfect and Rude died from that, too. And like, yeah, uh, it. Well, that's, yeah. a, that's what Bruce Hart claims, too. He said, Davey paid the price with steroid cocktails and human growth hormones. Uh, two funeral services were held, one by Andrea and the other by the Hart family. Bret Hart actually attended. God, the Hart, the Hart family is such a mess uh, for a while. It's so head spinning to think about there. Well, it's the Von, it's the Von Eric stuff too. It's it's almost like it's cursed. It's just like, and then know? yeah, him, you know, getting with Bruce's wife later, and uh, I'm not. I, I think she was long divorced from Bruce, but still, like God, what a what a terrible thing he was involved in towards the end, right? Whether whether it was drugs or just trying to rehab from injuries and spinal infections and, you know, like, I don't know. I, I think we summed it up earlier in the episode where it was like he was a follower and he just kind of flowed. And we were lucky to see his signs of brilliance, you know, when he would do the classic matches with Brett. And he had a lot of other cl- great matches with Vader, especially, man. Vader in 93, him and Davey, like, every time they wrestled was awesome. Like, the crowd was so into it. And, uh, and it's just, he gave us a lot of good stuff with Owen and, you know, it just, he did, he kind of ebb and flowed, right? Like he wasn't, he was the kid, like Craig said, he was the, the guy who was just like, Oh, whatever you want. But then we would get lucky and we would watch him in there and we would watch the, 
the greatness of him and how good he was. And, you know, he, he really was like, and I think uh, Craig or Dave, you said it earlier in the episode. I think Craig did, you know, imagine if he really just like, yeah, was that kind of locker room alpha male or that paranoid guy and did it, he would have at least stole one world title, you know? Oh yeah. Like, if God. he had, if he had voiced his opinion on more than on any, I can't occasion, believe we're, right? we're covering him and we're saying he never won a world championship. That's, that's crazy. That's insane. Not, not one WCW yeah. title. Like, come on. Like, I don't know. I, it's just right. crazy. Well, let's go down. Let's go down the list, shall we? So, all Japan pro wrestling. He's um, he actually win, wins two battle royals there. He's uh, he's the world's strongest tag determination league fighting spirit award. I love those kind of awards that all Japan gives out. Uh, he's an IWA heavyweight champion. He has a match of the year by PWI with Bret Hart at SummerSlam. He's ranked top fifteen of the top five hundred wrestlers in PWI ninety three, fifty three of five hundred in two thousand three. He's ranked five and eighty-four of the top one hundred tag teams of the PW PWI years with Dynamite Kid and Owen Art. Separate tag teams. Stampede. He's an inter, uh, international tag team championship uh, holder with with Bruce Hart. He's a Commonwealth Mid Heavyweight Champion. He's an inter, international tag team champion twice with Dynamite Kid. He's a North American Heavyweight Championship twice. He's a Mid Heavyweight Championship uh, holder. Wrestling Hall of Fame in '95 for Stampede. In the WWF, he's a he's a one-time Intercontinental Champion, two-time Euro Champion, two-time Hardcore Champion, uh, tag team titles twice with Dynamite Kid and with Owen Hart separately. Um, he wins he wins a Battle Royal in Albert Hall. He wins a Euro Championship tournament. He wins a WWF Tag Team Championship tournament with Owen in '97. He wins the WWA Intercontinental Championship. It's it, it just goes on and on, right? So he's in the Canadian Wrestling Hall of Fame individually and with the Hart family as well. And the reason why we're talking about this is probably in the next three months, he will be a WWE I hope so. Hall I, of Famer. His daughter has a big presence on social media now, and she's really pushing hashtag induct Davey uh, into the WWE. I, I hope we see him go in this year. It's um, it's long overdue. I hope so. You know, like, I yeah, it's, it is long overdue. And, and I don't shit on Vince for not putting people in because you got to wait. Vince runs, you know, the Hall of Fame now. Like, it's a it's an institution. You know, you don't want to you want people for the future, you know, like, and I think he's waited with Davey on purpose because there's no reason why Davey's not in at this point. Right. He'll Billy Jim's in and I'm sorry. God bless little Billy Jim. And I'm sure he wrestled with it hard, but Davey boy Smith, like, come on. You, I know you got other people in there like beware and, and Coco's in it. Yeah. Beware yeah. and Nikolai. And, and I'm not shitting on them. They work just as hard and they toured and I get it. But like, I mean, Davey, Phil and Doug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Michaels, at least 19 times, I'm sure has been inducted on oh. the with DX or whatever. Like give Davey just one. Right. You know what I mean? Like hillbilly Jim. Yeah. Put it tip Davey in as the British Bulldogs with dynamite. That's fine. Right. Like, or, or, or singles, but I mean, that's fine. You want to put him in as, you know, part of the tag team. That's fine too. Give him something for shit's sake. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, it's time. Yeah. Drew, isn't Drew You're Carey? Time. Uh, Donald Trump's in there. Come on. <laughs> Drew Carey. Yeah, Donald yeah. Trump's in there. Like, give me a break. Put the man, put the oh, man in there. I mean, I and his son that. looks... Well, and real quick, I, I know we've, uh, we're going long, but like, I don't remember Harry Jr. wrestling with... Um, What's Natalia's husband? Tyson Kidd. And I don't remember that phase of them in, but why is Harry Jr. never worked out yeah, the, they were WWE. in there. They won the tag titles briefly in WWF, and they were even part of that gimmick where Brett came back and fought Vince at a WrestleMania, and they came down to help Brett win. I don't know. Um, I, I'm assuming 
that Smith Jr. is pretty opinionated. I think I'm gathering that from reading, not in a negative way. Ah. He's he's what his dad should have been, and I don't mean that. I mean that yeah. as respect, total respect. That's a great point. I think what that, a fantastic um, point that is. I think he's just like, no, I need. Like he went to New Japan. He wanted to learn there. Um, it, that was his goals. I think, and I, he might be following his dad's footsteps. Going, my dad was in New Japan. My dad went everywhere to learn and to put a craft together, and then you know he became you know, who he was, you know, I don't think Smith Jr. started as young as Davey, but, um, but I mean, I think that that's what his goal is. And I think he doesn't mind saying, I don't need this place. I'm glad I got to stop in WWE early, but I don't need this shit. Cause I think he saw what it was. And he was like, I don't want to be part yeah. of this. This is not the yeah. Smith family legacy. I'll be elsewhere. And maybe years down the line, I'll be back. Maybe. Seems like he's doing fine too, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be all right. I think he's doing his dad. I think he's doing his dad proud, and and I, I'm not shitting on Davy Boy by saying, "Oh, you know, d- Junior." But you always say, you know, when you have a son, for people who have a son, I want that person to be better than me. Well, I, in a yeah. great, in the best way possible, he is being better than Davy, and I think he will be. And that's what you, that's what you hope for. Yeah, when you well when said. you think about Davy's situation, Davy was following a footprint that didn't exist. Right, they're going into this whole another world of wrestling that didn't exist at all. And you can learn from that. And I think his son has learned from that just based on one blueprint. And that's hard to do. A lot of people will repeat those mistakes. And I don't think he has. So yeah. it's uh, pretty phenomenal. So Davey Boy. Odds on Shawn Michaels inducting Davey Boy Smith in a Hall of Fame. Good. Good God. It'll be it'll be it'll be fucking that's, Brett. That's it'll not funny. Brett. That's not funny at all. <laughs> I was going to say, too, like um, Shawn Michaels Jr. is going to Davey Boy Smith. Oh, no. Oh, no. Davey Boy Smith Jr. finally wins the world title. And then they do the he cashes in. Shawn Jr. cashes in the money in the bank and beats him right away. Oh, that's so funny. What? Well, I don't know. Vin. I don't know. Hunter, maybe I maybe my time. Uh, I should probably go over. What do you think? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's gonna okay, be hundred. That's, that's true. You'll be just like your dad, undercutting the Smiths. Yep. Awesome. All right. Uh. Okay, I'm going out there with my briefcase. I'm going over. Jesus. <laughs> so before I know we ran really long, but since ep- this kind of episode sort of you know was an honor of you, Craig, in the sense of doing this with us, and you were from England, and you know Davey meant a lot to you. Have the final word, please, before Dave signs us out about Davey's career. Yeah. I, I just uh, I. I'm talking into a microphone now, and behind me is a unwrapped package of um, Davy Boy Smith's WWE figure, and and a British toll booth. So uh, I've got a little like memorial of my British stuff, and he's certainly on there. Um, and we all had our favorites growing up, um, and we all had the ones we root for, and we all picked our kind of our characters, our monikers, our music when we used to beat the heck out of each other and we in living rooms across the our town and our high school together. And we all had our favorites and our feuds. And when we, we used to talk to death about who's the greatest wrestler, who's the worst. And he Bulldog was mine. So um he was my little like lasting kind of legacy of of England and uh even when I was here and and I'm proud I'm a proud American now, but I always love Davy Boy. So and uh, even though he never kind of won the big one, I mean, at least uh, he he was always kind of part of the action, and he fit into anything anyone ever asked him to do. Whether it was eighty thousand people, whether it was main eventing in your houses, or whether it was just being a critical part of a faction or part of uh, during the lean years, a core part of six guys that could always be counted on every now to to, um, to main event Raw or main event a pay per view or whatever Vince needed. So he did it all um, and workmanlike and. Um, big kid so um, 
That's Davy Boy. Wrap it up nicely, man. That's the legacy of the British Bulldog. Hit us up on Instagram at OWP2019. Click on Linktree. You can find us on several platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. This is Dave, Jess, and Craig with the OWP signing off, guys. Have a good one.